Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So uh, I'm actually going to have a start, if you wouldn't mind, before you go and just start with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, a while ago, I were, if you remember, I was like, hey, I don't know if we even like hardly ever say that and we know that. So could we pray that just to begin? So I think we'll have it up here um, in just a second. I don't know if uh, we all know the words, but let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Thanks guys for doing that. I wanna bring that in every once in a while so we remember it and so uh, that we know it and can pray at any time. So um, usually uh, the hearing God's voice for me, <clears throat> the way that I know God is leading me, it's usually just like I know it's true in my heart. And that comes from being in the word and, and understanding God's character and who he is and just experience. You're like, yeah, this, this feels like what God would say. This seems and makes sense to me. Like this is, this is God's word and God's direction for my life. But there's one time in my life where actually God spoke to me through a dream. And it was a year ago in March, and maybe he's done it more than that, but this is the one that I know. I like this is, I think this is a God dream. And so Gina and I, uh, we were uh, in my dream, we were on this uh, kind of this hill, this grass hill, and we were looking up at the beautiful blue sky and as we're looking, there's this white you know, cloud, these fluffy clouds, and one of these clouds kind of comes to the front and it just kind of starts moving and it looks like a shoe. But it's not kind of like, hey, that, that's kind of like Kermit the Frog up there. I mean, it was like, it's a sandal and it had buckles and it was really, really distinct. And this is why I believe that it was a, a prayer, I mean, a, a God dream, because during my dream, I, I looked over at Gina and I said, this is a sign from God. So I woke up, I was like, hey, I think this was a sign from God. I think God was actually talking to me through a dream. So I prayed uh, and, I, and I was looking at shoes in the Bible and sandals in the Bible and I looked at Moses and found myself going to Exodus and Joshua quite a bit. And as I prayed, well, Lord, what, what does that mean? And I, I really believe that God, what God was telling me through that time is, Carl, lead them out. Lead them out. Well, lead them out of what? And I really believe that God is, was asking me to help our church move out of this world and into the kingdom. And that one of the things that he's been asking me to do, and maybe you've picked it up in the way I've been preaching in the last year plus some, is say, let's leave this stuff of the world, let's leave the mindsets of the world, the attitudes of the world, the ways of the world, and let's start being kingdom people for what God has for us in the future. And I've had a few people say, well, Carl, your, your, your preaching has kind of changed in the last year. And I, you know what? I think that's a lot of it, is I feel like God is asking us to move forward, to say, okay, we're done with the world. We're going to be different. We're going to be set apart right now. And so, you know, you know, when God says, like, come out of the world, it's not because he's mad. It's not because you're bad. It's because you're set apart. It's because you're holy, 
It's like, uh, you know, at our house, we've got two different types of dishes. We've got, this big, uh, we've got this big cupboard with just like all the plastic stuff, and we just throw it in there, and anybody can grab it for anything. But then we've got like the company dishes, right? And those ones are set apart. And listen, you are set apart. You're made for special use. And so God doesn't want you just to be kind of mired in the rest of the world, and he wants you to come out of that. And so that's what God has been asking me to do, is to lead us out of that. And we've had this theme for the last year of forward, which means we're gonna move forward out of worldliness, and we're gonna move forward into what God is calling us to do, into what he's calling us to be, and this transformation that he's calling in our hearts. And so we're in this series right now, and it's called Be Strong, and we're gonna look at Joshua And right now, if we want to go forward in what God has for us, if we want to move into the promised land and into the work, this call that he has, guys, we must be strong. We need to be courageous. It's not easy to be Jesus-centered in a a self-centered world. But God is calling us, church, to be kingdom people first, to live for the kingdom, and and to get as many people in the lifeboats as we can and, and help them become the same thing. Listen, anybody here know that the world is changing quickly right now? Just rapidly, it's transforming around us. And we must be ready. There is a bright future for you. There is power for you. Listen, as the darkness comes around us, the light increases. But we gotta get ready. And we have to move forward into what God has for us. And we need to be strong. And you look at Joshua, as he's about to move forward, God just keeps giving that message again and again and again. God says directly to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then Moses says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And even the Israelites themselves, they say, okay, Joshua, we'll go with you, but just be strong and courageous. So I wanna give you three practices today of how you can encourage yourself, how you can be strong for what God has for you tomorrow. And so here's the first one is we wanna engage where God has us right now. Engage in these little things. See, because you know the, the fruit of tomorrow is actually built in the faithfulness of today. Do you know that? That if you wanna see big things tomorrow that you have to be faithful with the little things today. And you gotta to take what God is asking you to do and you gotta engage that fully. You know, there's a, there's a problem that I think that, uh, that we've built. And I'm gonna keep asking this question But when people first come into our church, one of the things that we often ask them, we say, okay, now what's your ministry dream? What are your gifts? Which is a good question. And God has dreams for you and he's got amazing things for you. And we wanna keep finding that. We wanna help you get into that. But one of the unintended consequences of that question is that when we get in our mind, well, okay, I've got this dream in me and we won't do anything else. And so your neighbor comes and says, will you help me move? And you say, oh, I'm sorry, moving you, that's not my dream can't help you move. If it was my dream, I would do it, but that's other people's dreams. You know, they they dream to move people, but not me, right? And uh, get this, the path to your dream, the path to this thing that God is putting in your heart, it is often found in serving someone else's dream and submitting to another dream and just being faithful with the thing that God puts in front of you. So this is where we find Joshua, the first time that we ever see his name in the Bible. It's in Exodus 17, so if you wanna open up your Bible to Exodus 17, verse eight. We see him as an assistant and a helper to Moses and helping Moses do what God has called him to do. 
And it says in verse eight, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. There's this amazing partnership that we see here in this passage. I love it. That Moses, he goes up onto the top of the hill and he's got that staff and he's holding it up. And it's representing the power of God, the anointing of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. And when he has his hands up, we win. And then when he puts his hands down, they start to lose. And it's a reminder for your battle and the thing that God is calling you to do, if you are really going to win, you have to do it in the power of God by the Holy Spirit of God. And without that anointing, without that help, you're really not gonna move. You're gonna lose. But then there's this partnership of boots on the ground where Moses is up here and Joshua is down there working, fighting, doing what he knows how to do. And that's so much the kingdom of God that it's by God's power and it's by his grace and then it's us moving and responding to that in practical ways to see him move forward. I love this amazing partnership. All, excuse me, Oliver Wendell Holmes, really smart guy, was a poet. He says that some of us, some people are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Now, that would be true if heavenly minded meant that we all go get in our bunkers and we hold on and we wait for the rapture. But that is not what heavenly minded is. We prayed it today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. See, the the truth of it is, is the more heavenly minded you are, the more effective you are on this earth. The more you're concerned with God working on this earth. And the more heavenly minded, the more kingdom minded we are, actually, the more we're ready to engage the things that God cares about. And we're actually starting to work on things that matter for all of eternity, like getting people into the lifeboat so that they come to know him and be with him for the rest of their lives, like transforming our hearts and our character and letting God change us that will last throughout all of eternity, like being a blessing to the poor and the weak and those who are in need because that's where heart, God's heart is. And see, as we look more and more to heaven, we start to become more and more useful here on this earth. And the other thing that happens is we stop that horrendous lie that brings so many of us and stops many of us from doing anything, which is, well, well, what can I do? How can I make a difference? This is too big. Is anything impossible with our God? See, if we get a hold of heaven, if we understand who our Lord is, when we're heavenly minded, we know he can break through anything. That God is calling us and he could do just immeasurably more than we ask or imagine and can bring life into the greatest darkness. And so actually, the more heavenly-minded we are, the more earthly good we we become. And see, Joshua, he engages this battle, so he learns how to fight. And if you wanna win your big battles in the future, you've got to learn how to fight the little battles right now. And if you ignore those, you're gonna come. And see, that's a lot of us, we're just kind of waiting. Well, when the big thing comes, then I'll step up. Listen, you're gonna be completely ineffective. 
Right now we engage and then now we know what it's like when spiritual warfare takes place. It's like, oh yeah, I, I've been through this before. I mean, you gotta think that Joshua, when Moses died, when he goes to Jericho, he had to be thinking, I'm so glad this isn't my first rodeo. That I know, I know how to pull my sword out. I know how to use that thing because God trained me with the Amalekites. He showed me how to do battle here. And, and how do you think you're gonna win if you don't work right now? How, how are you gonna understand, oh, this is what spiritual warfare looks like. This is what God expects of me in the battle. This is what it's like to struggle. This is, oh yeah, I, I've been through this kind of disappointment before. That happened when I did this other thing. Do you see that moment in Rio in 2016 when Usain Bolt, he's winning the 100 meter? So it's an, I think it's probably the best picture. Isn't that so good? He's like, I got it. I mean, that's the moment, right? What a moment. He is having so much fun. Listen, God has moments like that for you. There are big victories ahead. But did you know that Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world, has scoliosis? And did you know that he trains and oftentimes that when he trains, he works so hard and pushes himself so hard that he just throws up right there on the side of the track? And see, it's all those moments, these little moments over and over and over again that brought him to that moment. And without those little battles and those little struggles, you don't have the big win and the big victory. And we've gotta learn, we've gotta train. You know, it's like every time, every time that I go skiing for the first time in the season, it doesn't matter like what exercises I, like, I try to do and how I try to get to, it doesn't matter. I, I'm sore and it hurts. For some reason, there's just muscles in there that can't be touched any other way than to go and ski. And so you go and you train and you do that. And listen, there's things that you can't learn any other way except by engaging the battles that he has right now. To say yes to the little things that he wants to do in your life. So we have to engage. The second thing that we need to do and that Joshua did to prepare himself to take the promised land is we need to train your brain. Train your brain right now. So Tom Brady who is not my favorite athlete in the world. So I think we found a picture of him that this is what Tom Brady looks like to me. <laughs> so Tom Brady, uh, you know that though to get ready, of course he lifts weights, you know, he repetitions, and throws the ball over and over again. But did you know that every single day he does 24 different brain exercises? Just working on his head. And the, they're little ones like on the iPad where there's like two little marbles and you follow those marbles and then, then there's like 20 of them and you gotta keep track and he's just, he's always working his head. And, and you know what he said? Is that the reason that he's doing that is he's getting, his, he's getting ready for when he gets his bell rung. So he's actually preparing for the confusion that could come on the field. Are you ready for when your bell might get rung? Are you ready? Because listen, lies are not, and pressures, they're not decreasing right now. And things that are coming against the truth of God, they're not getting less. I don't know if you've noticed that. But they're increasing. I and mean, are you ready to have your bell rung? And are you training your brain? And see, we, we, we find this with Joshua, that he's not thinking right. And he's got to change and he's got he's to adjust his thinking. If you go to, to Numbers, and it's in chapter 11, verse 26. 
And we see that Joshua needs to adjust his thinking here. It says, okay, now Moses and the elders, they go out to the tent of meeting to meet with God. And it says in verse 26, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. And the young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people, I love that, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel turned to the camp. See, Joshua was thinking about it wrong. He thought that God was their little thing. God is no one's little thing. Listen, the work of God in Montrose is not Grace Community Church. Grace Community Church is a little part of the work of God in Montrose. And I love that we see those those three youth pastors in that announcement coming together. I love that because it's a good picture. It reminds us that God has a much bigger thing than us going on, a much bigger thing than you and I, and we get to be part of God's big thing. And so right now, in order to have your Usain Bolt moment, in order to come into the promised land and do what God wants you to do, we've got to work out some of these lies that we're holding on right now. Because when we get there, they're going to detract us. They're going to take us away. And so now is the time to purge these little lies out and to get a hold of the truth. Here's an example that many of us hold on to, and it's just not true. Ready? Here's a lie. God's presence is a feeling. Now, sometimes when we are in God's presence, we feel his presence. I love that feeling. I love, I love when it feels like I'm close to God. But listen, you better figure this out right now. Because when life gets bad, you have to understand that his presence is not a feeling. His love is not a feeling. His proximity is not a feeling. God's presence is not a feeling. God's presence is a fact. And when it's difficult, we stand on it whether we feel it or not. His love is a fact. His favor over your life is a fact. See, a lot of us, we go through life, we, we kind of mess up, and we think, oh, I think God's mad at me right now. It's ridiculous. The cross of Jesus Christ has paid for all of your sins. All of his anger, all of his rage is on the cross. It is, it's done. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. God doesn't pull back from you. You pull back from him. And his proximity and his presence is a fact. It's not a feeling. And we've got to get that straight. And see, there's a lot of little lies that we hold on to like that. And if you're in the middle of the battle and when you're going after what God wants you to do, you cannot be distracted. You can't give yourself over to these falsehoods. Train your brain for the truth. And I've got a wonderful tool for you. And it's Philippians 4.8. And listen, if you, I would just really, please um, memorize this passage. Just put this one to memory. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you, do you know that that's actually, that's a, like a decision tree for thinking? It's a decision tree for your feelings. So you've got this feeling, you know, or you've got this thought, 
And you can actually just take it right down that line. So the very first thing, okay, is it true? I'm alone, I'm rejected, I'm hopeless. Is it true? Well, no. Then what are you supposed to do? Stop thinking about it. Reject it, rebuke it, cast it to the side. All right, is it true? That's where we start. And then we go down to the next part of the decision tree. Is it noble? As I think about this, as I believe this, as I hold on to this, is it lifting my spirits? Is it bringing something up great in me? Is, is, do I see hope arise as I think on this? Well, if not, stop thinking about it. Throw it down. Or how about this? Then we move down to the next one, right? Is it right? If it's wrong or it's wicked, have nothing to do with it. Why are you holding on to that? Why are you thinking about this wrong, wicked thought? It's gonna do nothing but bring destruction to you. All right, then we go down to the next one. Is it pure? You know, when I was a kid, my mom, uh, she would often ask me, would you watch that movie with Jesus? And I'd be like, mom, I, I wouldn't watch anything with Jesus. I don't wanna watch TV with Jesus. I'm watching TV right now. You know what, the same thing, it goes for your thoughts though. Would you talk that over with Jesus? Would you, I mean, would you and Jesus have a great conversation about what you're thinking right now? Is it pure? It's not, stop it. And then is it lovely, is it admirable, is it excellent, is it praiseworthy? You know a good way to, to see if it's one of those? Would you come and stand up here and make an announcement about it? We've got an announcement. So I've been daydreaming a lot lately that Bob would choke to death on his food because he got the promotion that I wanted. Just wanted you to know. <laughs> announcement's over. Yeah, so if you wouldn't come up and make an announcement of it, you probably don't need to think about it, right? It's a great decision tree. We gotta train our brain. All right, here's the third one, the third practice, to strengthen, to encourage you for the work, for your moment, for what God has for you to take the promised land, and it's refresh yourself. Not treat yourself, refresh yourself. To come before the Lord and just, you know, being used by God is amazing. I mean, it's so fun. Like, God used me, oh, I love it. But you know what, it's tiring and it's difficult. Sometimes it's discouraging. And you know what, if you're gonna go after God, if you're gonna live for God, it's gonna bring up your issues and it's gonna push your buttons and it's gonna bring you sometimes to the very end of yourself. And I want you to see what Joshua does here in Exodus 33. And now this is mostly about Moses, but I want you to watch for Joshua. He just makes one little appearance and look what he's doing. And it's Exodus 33, verse seven. And it says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents. Don't you love the respect? Watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, so the presence of God, would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Wow, how amazing as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, and here's the one little line, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I love that. 
Because what we find in Joshua is that he comes in and he's in the presence of the Lord, probably not even talking, just standing there. And Moses goes on, he says, okay, Moses, Moses, go ahead. He said, I just gotta be here a little longer. I just gotta linger. I mean, I've experienced God. I just wanna stay here just, just a little while longer, Moses, and just kind of breathe in everything I could breathe in of the Lord, just experience and taste. I mean, he's so good. I, I just don't wanna leave. I, I wanna stay in this temple just a little bit longer. I wanna stay in this moment and hold on just a little longer. What a beautiful thing to come and refresh yourself, just to be with the Lord. Oh, God, I just wanna be with you. We find David, uh, he does a similar thing. Horrible, horrible moment in his life. And his son Absalom starts this rebellion, kicks him out of his own palace. And so they're fleeing him and his family. And there's this guy Shimei, and Shimei's up on the, the top hill, and David's down here, and Shimei's just cursing him like, yeah, you deserve this, and you're, you're this and that, and swearing at him the whole time. And so then David, he finally arrives in 2 Kings 16, 14. says, exhausted he comes, and, but then it says, and there he refreshed himself. It's really interesting. How do you refresh yourself? And I'm actually ask, I'm asking you, how do you refresh yourself? Because it's your responsibility to refresh yourself in the Lord. And maybe you're doing it right now. Maybe just coming to church is how you refresh your spirit. Or you go to your life group, or you go to your D group, or you go up to the mountains, or you just have quiet time and you refresh yourself. But how do you encourage yourself when you're discouraged? And I wanna encourage you, listen, that is your responsibility to refresh yourself and to encourage yourself. If you're like me, this is what you do when you're discouraged. You mope around and you think, if I'm mopey enough, maybe Gina will come up and say, what's wrong? <laughs> ah, yes, now I can tell her, right? That it's actually your job to do this. It's, now, sometimes I'll go to Gina and I'll say, Gina, I'm so discouraged right now, would you pray for me? And she'll do it and God will encourage me. And I'll go to a friend I'll go to my D group, I'll be like, guys, is, uh, would you just pray for me right now? But see, I see this as encouraging yourself. I actually see this as a spiritual discipline that you have to get right now. And if you don't understand how to do this, look out when you're in the battle. You've gotta learn how to win this fight. It's like other spiritual disciplines. I mean, we, we, I don't say, well, you know, Gina's responsible for all the Bible reading in my family. That's my job. I don't say, well, my mom, she's the one who confesses sins, right? Eric, Eric does the worship. No, these are all my responsibilities and it is my job to encourage myself in the Lord and find a way that needs to be done. And if that means reaching out, then I reach out. And if it means just getting on my knees, then I get on my knees. I mean, Jesus himself keeps sneaking away, going up to the hills, refreshing himself in the Lord. Because he knows if he doesn't do it, who's gonna do it for him? Nobody, right? So how do you refresh yourself in the Lord? How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? And listen, when the discouragement comes, this is your responsibility. So it comes with, okay, that decision tree, is it good, is it right, is it true, is it pure, is it lovely, is it noble? Am I thinking right? I need to adjust, listen, that's your responsibility. It's to reach out, oh man, it's to come to church. I just, I just need to be in God's presence. I just need to, I need to praise him right now. Not saying you do it alone, but I am saying you're responsible for it. And I love Joshua. He would just linger. Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay here for a little while. I'm just gonna be with God. Just drink it in. Oh, so good. That's marvelous preparation for a battle. That's marvelous sowing 
for future reaping of what God has for us in our lives, just to be with God. Because you see, so much of our misery and so much of our discouragement in life, it's because we're looking to the wrong source. I was just thinking about how I do this in, in my own life. Anybody ever said, oh, I don't have any friends? Now, actually, I thought that the other day. I don't have any friends. That is the most ridiculous statement. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. I, can, I see a number of friends, actually, right here. I've got friends in my life group. I've got friends in my D group. I've got friends over on the front range. I mean, I, I, it's just, you know what the problem is? Is I want my friends to act like Ross and Joey and Phoebe and Rachel and Monica and Chandler. And I expect like that we all get together and we're all supposed to like do everything together and they're supposed to be like at my house all the time and I'm supposed to be at their house all the time. Do you know who has friends like that? Not people with jobs. (laughs) Friends does not exist for people who work. That's a fantasy. And that's what we're looking for, right? Not 50 year old bald men, they don't have, that doesn't work that way anymore. I got responsibilities. You've got responsibilities. We got families to take care of. I've got beautiful friends. And you know what happens? You see, I get upset and and I get frustrated when I'm looking to my friends to do what only God can do. What a friend I have found closer than a brother. I've got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I do have a friend that's better than Chandler and Ross or whoever you like on that crew. His name is Jesus and he's always with me. And he's always in my house and we're always together. And he's my best friend. And I could look to him for everything. And and yet it's how unfair that I would put that on my friends. That I'm hoping that they're gonna do what only Jesus can do for me. How unfair that I would put that on my spouse. That she would be the Holy Spirit. See, he is the source of meaning and connection. He is the one who knows me. He's the one that I want to know. I'm not going to put those expectations on others. He's my source. And so we go to that source for our life, our truth, our affirmation, for our worth, and for our connection. And it's amazing that when you do that and you're filled by that source, then you start to become a better friend, don't you? And you're able to give it away because you're not just trying to suck everybody dry of what only God can give you. Blaise Pascal is a famous... uh, French mathematician. And uh, this, is, this is what he says. He says, what else does this craving, this helplessness, what else does it proclaim? But there was once in a man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help. Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God Himself. You ever heard of the idea of a God shaped hole? This is the guy who thought it up. This is the first time we see that idea in print. That every single one of us now, we have something in us that only God can fill. And we run to this person and we run to that thing and we run to our work and we run to our career. We run to our call and we hope that it does the work that only God can do. But here's the wonderful thing. You have a God-shaped hole and God is ready to fill it. So what we do is we draw near and we refresh ourselves in him and we delight in him, and we worship him, and we come to know him, and he fills us, and he meets our needs. 
And one of the best things you can do today to prepare for tomorrow is just learn how to refresh yourself in the presence of the Lord. To come near to your God and to find your meaning and your hope and your help. And nothing else is going to answer it. Nothing else will do. But in his presence, we find our life. In his presence, we find our joy. We find our meaning. We find our worth. We find what we've been looking for. And in his presence, we find the courage and the power and the strength to go forward in the battle tomorrow. Father, I thank you for your amazing presence. And Lord, I love when I feel that you're near. I love when I feel your good pleasure. I love, Lord, when I experience you, Lord, but I thank you that it's not a feeling. I thank you that it's a fact. Lord, I'm sorry for the times where I tried to drum it up or where I'm looking for something uh, that's already there. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to draw near to you, that you would help us to come into your presence, that we would connect to you, and, Lord, that we would abide in the source and abide in the life. And God, I thank you that there are amazing moments for every person here. There's those Usain Bolt moments, Lord. I know you have them in our future. You're bringing us towards them. But Lord, would you get us ready right now? Would you prepare us right now? The way that we think and the way and what we're doing and just even bring the experiences into our life to get us ready for what you have. And Lord, I pray that just even right now that we could just have a taste of your presence. So we sing this song, Lord, that we would just draw near to you. And Lord, whether we feel it or not, we thank you that we are with you and that you are with us always. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.